This episode is brought to you by Communications Training for Coffee Teams, a new Mapper Forward workshop tailored to get your team communicating more confidently to improve general mental health as well as business profitability. Click the link in the show notes for further details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and today, episode four of our five-part series with Judy Gaines, we are talking about Robusta. Since World of Coffee, I have been excited about having this conversation with you. Because it was at World of Coffee that I really started hearing so many producers talking about not whether Robusta was the future, but that Robusta is the future of the industry. What are your thoughts around that concept that Robusta is going to be the future or it is the future of our industry, Judy? Okay. So let's go back in time. Mm -hmm. And in 1997... Arabica prices had surged and Robusta prices were very depressed Mm -hmm. because suddenly through a change in the governmental policy, land ownership in Vietnam, and with some advisement through the World Bank, Vietnam, who was for a century producer of a million bags of coffee, suddenly Mm -hmm. started to increase their production. And they had record production of 15 million bags. And wow. so that was of Robusta. huge. Of Robusta. And that, that was huge. Mm. And so it sank the market. And when Arabica prices surged, roasters took notice of that mm. disparity, of that wide arbitrage between the two markets. And they learned to utilize more Robusta in a blend. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a fixed amount. And then all of a sudden, well, they learned to steam clean the Robusta. And Vietnam, over time, has also not only worked on quantity, but quality Mm. and hand-in-hand relationships and technology of equipment. And roasting has also made Robusta more Mm. user-friendly to American you know, American consumers in particular. You mean from a palate perspective or from, from a caffeine palate perspective? Well, that they don't notice how much is in a can of coffee, mm. where it could be, you know, a substantial amount of Robusta and then enough Arabica to give it, you know, the, the flavor profile that they want. And so I think over time, there's been some adjustments and highly customizable blends and the sophistication and technology, you know, the mm-hmm. technology in the roasting process has helped to push that along. Mm-hmm. So it's hand in hand. Um, Brazil has seen robuster production surge. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's a hardier plant, less susceptible to disease and problems, and you get tremendous yields. And therefore, and you don't have the same cyclical pattern um, in terms of the trees. And some of that has to do with the pruning techniques. Mm-hmm. So um, a little quick lesson on that. In, in Brazil, you have small producers, so 10 hectares, who one season will have higher yields and then they go to zero safra where they completely prune their trees 
and they have no production the next year. Mm-hmm. And then they, they balance it that way. But what happens if you have a frost or a drought and you mm-hmm. lose your on-year production, you have no production the next year? Mm-hmm. So you're always averaging two yields and trying to manage your costs around that. Mm-hmm. With Robusta, you don't have that because the difference is that you chop off the branches where the cherries are mm-hmm. and the new branches are always growing up on top. So you're never without a crop from one year to the next. Right. Right. And so you have um, better yield overall. And so that is tremendous. So for those that are capable of expanding and new frontier in areas where it works, um, robust, robust growth is at a much faster pace than Arabica. And it seems like given what's going on with the economy, Globally, given what's going on with the volatility of pricing, given what's going on with climate change and coffee leaf rust and, um, you know, all the other challenges that producers are facing. We were talking in previous episodes of the next generation that is coming. It sounds like this is an easy decision to transition to Robusta given the given the press that's been given to Robusta and the positive press that's been given to Robusta, but also given the necessity of having to go there. I moderated a panel with Ghanaian coffee producers at World of Coffee, um, and Ghana is investing hugely into the production of Robusta and the future of their economy being hedged on, uh, being able to export Ghanaian Robusta. Moving right. forward. So remember, West Africa produces Robusta and mm-hmm. East Central Africa produces Arabica. Mm-hmm. And you have different areas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an either or. So if you're a Honduran on a steep slope at over a certain altitude, um, you don't have that choice of what you're going right. to grow. So you talk about next generation, okay, a the son of a Honduran coffee farmer and saying, well, I'm going to go be a coffee farmer in Indonesia or Vietnam mm-hmm. and grow Robusta, or right. I'm, I'm migrating to Brazil to grow Robusta coffee mm-hmm. and, and be a farmer there. I mean, that, that doesn't it's not, happen. It doesn't happen. All right. So what it we're going to translate. see, right. so as... So the way I understood it at at World of Coffee when people were having conversations with me is it's not going to be a choice of producers whether they can continue to produce Arabica. There are going to be external forces that are going to push them out of being able to produce Arabica. Have I understood that correctly? Well, if the demand demand is shifting and robuster prices are – more competitive and roasting techniques lend itself um, to an increased utilization of Robusta, mm-hmm. then sure, there's a lot of baseline Arabica coffee that 
isn't going to be competitive. But also from a climate perspective, it's just going to become increasingly more difficult, right? Like they're literally physically not going to be able to grow the crops. So I want to take everything that we've talked about and ask a very strange question that I've asked of um, somebody who is a commodities broker and they didn't have an answer. And I'm like, Judy's the only person that's going to be able to answer this. (laughs) The pressure's on. Yeah, well, you're the commodity, you're the sea market queen. So, and, and everybody in the industry knows that. So you're the person to answer this. So we've established that Arabic is going to face a very challenging future. And Arabica is traded on a futures market mostly, as well as and a so cash market. Right? And so this is my question. Um, what market will Robusta be traded on if the same market starts to dwindle? Oh, well, there, there's the London Robusta contract that is also under the – it's under IC Europe. Okay. So the history on that was let me think back it was the london coffee exchange then it became life and then it became Euronext, and then ice so that was when there was the coffee sugar cocoa exchange and then the Mm -hmm. new york board of trade and then it became ice and they own both so there's the two contracts already simultaneously trading and there's arbitrage that happens every single trading session between the two markets. So will that see a shift from the Arabica uh, futures market swing towards uh, the Robusta exchange? They're separate exchanges, right? Well, no, it's the same exchange, different contracts. Different contracts. So, okay. so, it's, so there's, it's called ICE USA under one regulatory body and then ICE Europe. Right. But I mean, it's it's the same exchange. So if you go onto their website, you could see the certified stocks and the open interest in and the same information for for both. So for all intents and purposes, nothing really changes. No. So what happens, though, is that the New York market sort of dominates because world production of Arabica coffee is greater than mm-hmm. robust. But many people trade the robusta market. As speculators or as oh, both. Okay. okay. Because you, you need the liquidity. So remember okay. when you have a futures contract, you have the commercial players mm-hmm. and the speculators usually take the opposite side. And that's where you have the transfer of risk from the commercial hedgers to the speculators. Okay. Okay. And so. Go on. Okay. So what happens is typically, um, you know, over the past several decades, the Arabica price tends to shoot up Mm -hmm. because there's a production problem in Brazil about once a decade. Mm-hmm. And then you have the uh, the Robusta price will follow it higher because suddenly there's that shift in demand. Mm-hmm. It's been rare where there's been a rally in Robusta prices 
that then helped to accelerate the Arabica market. I mean, there's a couple of times where um, Vietnam had an issue. The question now is when you look at Brazilian production, and clearly Robusta is growing at a faster rate, Mm -hmm. that Brazil at some point can overtake Vietnam as a larger supplier of Robusta coffee. But here's the catch on that. Mm-hmm. That coffee isn't necessarily going to be dumped into the marketplace and create a burdensome situation because a large part of Brazilian domestic use mm-hmm. has shifted to more robust coffee, yeah. which has allowed Brazil to export more Arabica. The, the logistics is going to be very interesting um, tracking it over the next couple of years to see where it's all going to land. Uh, Edgar Brassani was on the podcast recently and he's a he's Brazilian uh, coffee exporter and he was talking about how the dynamic is going to shift quite significantly about who's the most dominant producer in the year over the next decade and China's going to start to enter that mm-hmm. whole hierarchy. But the really interesting part about it was that there is a concerted effort from a number of producing countries around the world, top producing countries, to shift in exactly what you were talking about, domestic consumption. Because from an economic perspective, it just makes more sense to be able to sell coffee locally and increase the consumer demand locally because it just makes the logistical chain easier for everybody involved. Well, it depends on the country. So if you're in East Africa, a lot of the consumption is instant coffee, mm-hmm. which traditionally has been Robusta. Robusta. And, and so when you think in terms of the high percentage of coffee that is still consumed in the world that is instant coffee, mm-hmm. it's, it's always been Robusta. Yeah. And people don't realize that. People don't realize that the majority of, mm-hmm. of the coffee that's in uh, instant is Robusta. Right. And then also in a lot of the three-in-ones, there, there's a lot of the liquid extracts. Mm. A lot of, you know, it's all Robusta. I mean, it, it definitely serves its place. Where there's sort of been this, you know, the, the contention in the industry and where mm-hmm. some of the problems have always been was that people kind of look down on Robusta, sort of yeah. like the, 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 you know, like. The, the inadequate little brother. <laughs> right, okay. And and there was some no, no names mentioned at, you know, like the SEA a while back mm-hmm. that was like, well, I've never let Robusta cross my lips. And, and there was someone, um, uh, a Frenchman who, was great, you know, and he used to have sometimes a booth at the SEA and he was always pushing on gourmet robusta and special, you know, specialty robusta. Mm-hmm. And people just were like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, so, so then he started bringing chocolate to attract people to his booth because he was the guy giving out all the chocolate and, wow. you know, that, the, you know, some of the tactics that resort to, but you know, things have come around now. Robusta's and, tasting good. And so there, there's a difference in the acceptance and there's, you know, 
taste of harvest and mm. the the acknowledgement that things have certainly improved. I mean, I remember a time with Vietnam and, you know, I have to understand it was a learning curve. Mm. So, you know, and, and there was this sort of mindset in the Vietnamese producer that the more fertilizer we dump onto the trees, the better yields would be and the better the coffee. Mm. And then, but they weren't understanding that too much fertilizer isn't good either. And they mm -hmm. were damaging their trees and, and hurting their yields. And then they didn't have the money to invest in the highest quality fertilizer. And that's all changed now. Oh, yeah. There, I have been drinking some Robustas since I have come back from Malt of Coffee. I got given a lot of Robustas. I am really surprised at the quality. The cup quality mm -hmm. is amazing. And folks, if you're listening and you are a Robusta snob and you don't want to go venture into this side of things, please give it a go. It's nothing like what it used to be. It's super drinkable. It The, the caffeine wasn't as wild as I expected it to be. So it's definitely something to start thinking about. Um, I really appreciate the tenderness that you brought to the discussion of our robusta, Judy. Yeah, well, let's have some chocolate. I mean, I've got me the boot because <laughs> I'm such a chocolate you know. I, I'm, but, not, I'm not averse to that behavior. <laughs> so, um, but it was great. But, you know, I mean, this is – it was all learning curve. And yeah. you think in terms of, you know, equality in markets and you talk about mm. gender equality and you talk about racial equality. Well, you know, here we're talking about <laughs> type equality, <laughs> you know, and that there, there is, you know, a it. lot of Don't discriminate between the plants, it. folks. <laughs> right, and this learning curve and, you know, next gen on that, and Let's and, do it. and a raised awareness. You know, it's had its it's had its moment. You know, and Robusta is back. We're just here to right. say Robusta is back. Now, in our final Not episode, about back, but it's had its it's had its comeuppance. You know, it was always there in the background. But it's it's. Yeah. I think it's here. Uh, right. I think that it, the industry is going to have to lean into it and specialty robusta. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the, that's the exciting part. Now in the next episode is going to be our last episode for the series. We're going to talk about the storms that are coming. Okay. I'm already mourning <laughs> the fact that the series <laughs> is ending. Um, anyway, so let's go have a conversation about the storms that are coming for coffee. Okay. Peace, love and peanut butter, everybody have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.